The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, integrated business planning. Big topic. Let's get started. Hey, to be optimally effective, your budgeting and forecasting for your company require understanding your business today. But more than that, you need the ability to predict tomorrow. Ooh, that reminds me of the crystal ball segment at the end of the show. The big question is, but how can you do both? How can you do either well and how could you do both well? In an ideal world, your CFO and your CIO will make this happen by cooperating on integrated business planning across the entire organization. That means bye-bye silos and bye-bye silence. That means putting it all together. You know what integrated means. So let's take a reality check here. Are they there yet? Will disruptive technologies like mobility, cloud, and in-memory databases help or hinder their ongoing relationship? Will it make them love each other better? I have a panel of experts who will speak to this on all levels. First up, I'd like to introduce Jeff Hattendorf. He's the co-founder of MacRespect. We'll find out a little about the company in a minute. And He quoted Albert Einstein, who is a frequent guest here on Game Changers Radio. And the quote is, the world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. Very profound. Jeff Hattendorf, welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm well, Bonnie. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Now tell me, Einstein keeps popping up on, I'd say, two or three times a week. We're doing five live shows a week now. You picked Einstein. This is a quote I'm not familiar with. So tell me, why did you select this and how does it relate to our topic, integrated business planning? Jeff, go ahead. Well, the rumor is that Einstein was a relatively smart guy. Now, <laughs> he was really talking, I think, about physics and science, but it, but it applies to the world we live in today. There was an article about a year ago in the Harvard Business Review. I believe the author was <clears throat> Roger Martin. He was talking about an article that said, don't let strategy become planning. When you think about the CIO, the CFO, and the rest of the C-suite and the board of directors, mm-hmm. that level of, of person in an organization is really thinking about the strategy of the business a little bit into the day-to-day operations, but they're really talking about strategy. And the point of his article was that, that strategy and financial planning tend to be combined into one activity. They should be separate activities. And as we get into the new technologies that are becoming available today, the CIO and the CFO have to be the ones, I, I believe, to stand up and say, we've got tools that allow us to do planning integrated across sales, operations, and finance at an actionable operational level mm-hmm. and also support planning to support corporate strategy. It's a different way of thinking about the business at that level of the organization. C-level executives tend to think in the big picture and how do we move the needle in big, in big buckets. But to be successful, those plans have to be actionable at some level of detail that the business and the line managers can really look at, 
see what, how they're doing performance-wise, and correct course at the micro level day-to-day. And, and the new technologies are really putting us in a position to enable companies to do that. Jeff, thank you. Do, do the CFO and CIO today in, let's say, very large enterprises, do they get this? Do they understand that they're going to have to, what I call, uh, shake hands and play nicely in the sandbox together? Or are they still thinking, my turf, my turf? What do you, what do you observe? It, it varies from client to client. Um, oh, okay. most, most environments, it tends to be cooperative, but there's always someone with more power. And the person ah, with more okay. power tends to get the final say. There you go. That's something we will pick up in our thread as we go into the roundtable. Thank you very much for starting this off on a good provocative note, Jeff Hattendorf. Let's be joined now by Steve Player, Beyond Budgeting. Steve is a an almost regular on various ones of our shows. Uh, Steve has appeared, I believe, on my uh, Coffee Break with Game Changers prediction show a couple of weeks ago. And Steve is calling in from Copenhagen today. And Steve quotes Peter Drucker, and I have a very specific attribution, Managing for Results 1964. Page 188, I would expect nothing less from somebody as precise as Steve Player. Let me read the quote, and then Steve will respond. Here we go. Peter Drucker said, To make the future happen, one has to be willing to do something new. One has to be willing to ask, What do we really want to see happen that is quite different from today? I'll stop there. Steve Player, welcome. How are you today? Thanks, man. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Delighted to have you. So, tell me, I'll ask you later how the weather is in Copenhagen and what time of day it is, but talk to me about Drucker managing for results. We're talking about results today, obviously, in integrated business planning. Why is this quote so important to our topic today, Steve Player? Well, it's important, even though Drucker said it back in in 64, it's important to us today because today we really have a lot more power, as Jeff was talking about, a lot more technology, a lot more ways. But to do that, we have to redefine what we want to see happen in the future, which is not more of the same, not more of the static direction that we're on. The world is changing at, a, at an accelerating pace, and we've got to go up that curve with it and have our vision way out ahead of what we're currently capable of today. So the board, the directors, the, the senior leadership has to paint a vivid vision of what they want to see happen, and then we can use the tools to try to get there. But it's, it's not bounded by what we're constrained with today. That's what Drucker was trying to get at. And do you agree with Jeff that some CFOs and CIOs understand this and some are walking that power tightrope, I have more power, I have more territory than you do, I rule? What do you see? I think some get it, most don't. And I think the power forum that he talks about is definitely there. Uh, and, and in many cases, the CFOs tend to be the ones that are holding everybody back. We've got to have this budget. The budget's out of date before you ever print it. It's a big waste of time. Why should we be doing it at all? What should be the response? Instead, we should have a vision and where we're trying to get to and a forecast of what plans we're taking to get there, the steps, and how to get there as quickly as possible. So we've got to stop some dumb thinking that have held us back in the past and we're going to be free to move forward. Thank you, Steve. I've heard you say that before, and I actually believe you, and I believe that's why your organization is called Beyond Budgeting. I know you that's your mantra. Thank you, Steve. Delighted to have you join us. Rounding out our panel today is thank you. Rounding out our panel today is Floyd Conrad. He is Global Senior Director of EPM and Finance with the SAP Center of Excellence, and he's bringing a newcomer in terms of quotables to the show. It's none other than Henri Poincaré. Excuse me, my French is faltering. He's He's a French mathematician, theoretical physicist, engineer, and a philosopher of science, lived from 1854 to 1912, but his words live on. And the quote is, it is far better to foresee even without certainty than not to foresee at all. Floyd Conrad, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. 
Thanks for joining me. So why did you pick Henri Poincaré? I got it right that time. And how does he apply to our topic of integrated (laughs) business planning? Go ahead, Floyd. Right. Well, as Steve has said, you know, when people, but um, they basically publish the budgets, you know, usually they're already out of date. So, you know, it's still, I still have this quandary with, with, you know, some of my customers and talking, especially around the strategic and long range planning piece. It's really, it's, it's an exercise that you have to go through. And, And with today's technologies, with prediction and, you know, in-memory uh, computing, you can actually create better budgets and plans and strategic plans over long periods of time uh, with prediction and with more certainty. So, you know, I think this is really a great um, place that we're in today with the technologies that we have and looking forward to the discussion. Thank you very much, Floyd. And and I'm just going to get you to chime in on our informal vote here. CFO, CIO, who's got more power and who is exercising it? Uh, in this topic, I think it's the CFO. Uh, again, you know, it varies based on uh, company, um, but uh, it's usually where I see, and I, I still think there's a lot of work that, you know, we have to do educating uh, both the CFOs and the CIOs. And that's why we've gathered such an excellent panel. Jeff Hattendorf at MacroSpec, Steve Player at Beyond Budgeting, and Floyd Conrad at SAP. Gentlemen, I'm not going to let you go to break yet. You're working hard already, but I have a very important question, and we're going to kick off this segment with Jeff Hattendorf. The question is, what's in your cup today, Jeff? And if it's nothing very interesting or provoking, thought-provoking, I want to know what would you love to be drinking right now? Jeff Hattendorf, go ahead. Well, normally what I would be in my cup is a very boring Americano from my friends at Starbucks because they are everywhere that I travel. Okay. However, given that the quote that I used was from Einstein, and I do believe it's important to try new things because you never know what's going to work, and if you need a caffeine fix, sometimes you go places where it's hot. So today I have a very large iced coffee, no sweetener, a little bit of soy to see if I can uh, find a new way to change my perspective on my caffeine intake. Very interesting. How many cups a day? Going to give us a number here? I don't want to. More than a <laughs> thousand probably is a good answer. <laughs> okay, we, we, we're not chiding. We're just curious. We love to know about our panelists. Thank you, Jeff. Sorry to pry. Steve Player, you're in Copenhagen. Now I can ask you what time of the day, what's the weather, and what drinkest thou, Steve Player? Well, it's about uh, 6.15 here in Copenhagen. Um, I would love to be cocktails, but you wanted a coherent presentation, so I haven't broke into that yet. So I have a cup of Harbo's, which if you don't know what that is, that's a Danish candy company that makes massive amounts of flavors in the form of gummy bears and licorice and just about any flavor, including caffeine, you can get in these chewable candies. And so we hit the uh, the convenience store on the way, and there were 50 different varieties. So I've got a selection of Harbo's that I'm trying, and uh, it's quite interesting. And you want to give us a couple of the flavors? I'm curious. What kind of flavors out of the 50 did you pick? One they call pirate pirates. It's basically it's, it's licorice, extremely strong licorice made in the form of a pirate coin. Uh, what's, what's fun about this candy is not only is the flavors very intense and, and delivered in a, in a package that you just kind of you know, try to breathe in, it's also the fact that they... they Make them all kind of funny shapes, like gummy bears, gummy worms. Gummy. Your kids will absolutely love them, um, and so it, it's just—it's a fun—it's a fun little candy. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's news. Okay, you got us laughing here, Floyd Conrad. I will not ask you to top those two, but what are you drinking, or what do you wish was in your cup? Candy or coffee or something in between? Oh, Tea, actually, water, I, juice. I'm going to be a little bit boring. Well. Um, I usually drink Nespresso, so I'm on my second uh, cup of Nespresso while I'm at, uh, working out of my home office. 
And usually that's about all I have is two cups in the morning. And where is your home office? Can we ask city? Uh, Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. What's it yeah. doing down there? I hope you're getting nice and warm and spring buds are starting it's to appear. It's actually a beautiful Maybe? day, but I'm heading off to our SAP Financials Conference uh, in Orlando later today. I hope it's beautiful there, too. Okay, you've all worked very hard. I want to say thank you for a great opening segment. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. In case you haven't guessed it or you haven't heard it often enough, you're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. And if you've been following along with our many series, this is Episode 2 in a Renewal. We had 13 wonderful weeks, very informative, very exciting radio last year, and Financial Excellence is back with a vengeance. So we're doing another flight of 13, and I'm delighted today to be speaking with Jeff Hattendorf, co-founder of Macrospect, Steve Player calling from Copenhagen at 6.15 p.m., eating a lot of something candy with caffeine in it, keeping him awake and alive beyond budgeting, and Floyd Conrad at SAP. I appreciate all of you. Guess what, guys? When we come back, we're going to do a 30-minute round of mm, roundtable. No breaks, no stops, nothing. It's so put your seatbelts on, and we're coming right back. Michael, take us out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Unleash the leadership potential of your finance talent now. Your business needs more than just compliant reports. Today's leading finance departments are asked to support business decision-making to help companies to succeed. With SAP's risk and finance solutions, you can provide the advisory that decision-makers are looking for. No matter what data source, no matter where you are, you can find the information you need to add value. Give your finance talent the right tools to be up to the challenge. www.sap.com The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com from the boardroom to you voice america business network welcome back to financial excellence with game changers presented by sap comments questions send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Here we are, and that's our goal. Our topic today is integrated business planning. Will disruptive technologies help or hinder? And we're partway to finding the answer. I'd like to kick off our roundtable segment, 30 minutes nonstop, no breaks, as I told my guests. And we're going to kick it off with Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect. Jeff, before I read something I'd like you to talk about quickly, just a couple sentences. What does Macrospect do? We are an SAP partner specializing in planning consolidations, and corporate reporting, all things related to the suite of EPM tools from SAP. Thank you very much. Now, 
You sent me a provocative note here about our topic. I'd like to have you start this, and then we're going to run with the other panelists. And the note is, typically, the CFO and other executives in an organization will not invest in speeding up reports. And then you explain, a report that runs in seconds rather than minutes is rarely valuable simply because it runs faster. I thought speed was something most companies aspired to, especially in reporting. Why don't you explain, and let's get this party started. Thank you, Jeff. Go ahead. Okay. Well, and, and there are exceptions. There are some reports that no matter how fast they are, they're never fast enough. And there are processes like the budgeting process, and Steve mentioned this a moment ago, that by the time the ink dries, the budget's out of date. You know, Warren mm-hmm. Buffett said about five years ago and, and caused me nearly to change careers that mm-hmm. budgeting was the number one waste of corporate resources. Since that's what I do for a living, I was a little bit taken aback. But what he was talking about and what I meant with this quote is that you want to add value to the business. And if you're going to build a, a business case to put in HANA or other memory technologies, things that, that change the speed of processing, and you really want to do that with, a, with a, an eye on looking at your business differently. Going back to that original quote from Einstein and some of the other quotes that we've heard, you want to have a vision for what else could we know, what other questions could we ask about our business by using this technology. You know, there are examples of companies, early adopters, I think across the world, that are starting to integrate social media into their sales data. When you see social trending that is in favor of your product, probably a good idea to to look at producing more. If it's going against your product, you need to fix that right away. The pace of change has to be supported by the speed of the reporting. So a report that runs faster than we have today Mm -hmm. probably isn't going to be compelling enough to, in and of itself, justify the investment in technology. But if if the corporation, particularly the CIO and the CFO, will change their perspective a bit to look at the bigger picture and wonder out loud, without going too blue sky, what Mm -hmm. other questions could we answer if we had faster reporting, if we had more granular reporting that was just as fast, would we be a better business? And we've got an example of a client that has done just that, where they realized after their implementation of, of HANA with BPC and a couple of other reporting tools on top that they were actually shipping orders that were unprofitable because hmm. the reports weren't available. And then when they were available, they were weeks and months after the fact. So going from minutes to seconds wasn't the use case, but the, the after-the-fact value to them was that they could bring in order and shipping cost data to their reporting system and see that when they shipped an order, whether it was profitable or not, before it was shipped. Sounds like that's the kind of data you need at that point in time to make some viable and valuable adjustments that will give you that profitability you're looking for. Thank you, Jeff. Good start. Steve Player, by the way, Steve has written uh, seven books, co-authored, and his two most recent are Future Ready, How to Master Business Forecasting, and another title is Beyond Performance Management. That's why he's here. Steve Player, what do you have to say about the issue of speeding up reports? When are they most valuable, and what does speed have to do with it? Go ahead, Steve Player. Well, and Jeff's got an excellent example out there, but I I would challenge the entire paradigm of the whole thing. If you take a look at the CFO and his number one thing of trying to close the books faster, the big question is why. If you could produce the books and shrink the amount of time it took to produce that point so that it actually came out at the stroke of midnight, literally with no work, push a button and out comes the report, it's still too late. Because the operating people aren't waiting for that report to run the business. They're running the business instead of on a whole, a whole bunch of real-time measures. So I just the whole concept of reporting, I think you have to challenge and think about, should we be doing it at all? Instead, what would be a better way to manage? Manage the way the operation is managing today. They're looking at run charts. They're looking at, at predictive things. In Jeff's example of shipping an order, 
well, it'd be nice to know that I'm about to ship an unprofitable order, but even if I had it instantaneously, it'd still be too late because I've already committed to make that sale to that customer. Now all I know is I made a mistake faster. What I'd like to really know is predictively, what do I need to know to avoid making the mistake? What tells me whether or not an order is going to be predict- uh, going to be profitable or not? How can I how can I see that before I give them the price quote? Because if I have it before I've made the mistake, then I can do something about it. Once we've committed, we can just correct it last time. So it's, it's we we detect a quality problem faster with faster reports. Instead, we need more predictive systems that tell us how to what, what's going to happen if we if we go down that path and what could we do instead. So we've got to radically change the paradigm and think about reporting more in terms of when do people need information, not just mm-hmm. what do they need but when do they need it which will mean you know literally 75 to 90 percent of the reports we're using today may not be relevant and that's that's radical but that's really the world we're coming to with hana to be used effectively we're going to have to harness the power in radically different new ways to be able to predict and much the, the earlier we can move up in the cycle of being able to predict what the results will be the better outcome we'll we'll get to so just Steve, on the right say- track i just got to move the bar a whole lot further up the stream you you did. I wish you were a little more passionate, Steve. I don't know. I, I don't know what we're going to do with you. No, I can always count on you to to make some provocative statements. Uh, Jeff, you want to comment back on Steve, or or Floyd want to chime in? Go ahead. Well, so this is Jeff. I agree with what Steve's saying. I just don't think that most companies are going to adapt fast enough to to hit the vision that Steve's trying to set the bar at. It is the right goal. It's mm-hmm. it's the right aspiration, and some companies will will do it early. I think most will struggle struggle because they're still so ingrained in how they do things today that rather than taking giant steps, they're going to take small steps, and they're going to stumble quite a bit. I have a very naive question for both of you, and Floyd, I do want to hear from you on this. The question is, we, we love the old phrase, hindsight is twenty twenty. So the question is, are we talking predictive looking ahead? Or are we talking, Steve, looking back at what was and how we had unprofitable shipping costs and doing it better next time? So am I caught between hindsight or caught between predictive? Where, where am I? I'll use another another quote from Peter Drucker. Understand the future that's already happened. Thank in you. Jeff's situation, the fact that you were the margin, you should have been able to use your past information to tell you what margins you were running. Your information about the shipping costs and the minimum order requirement. Had you thought about that and organized things around the predictive type approach? you could have been able to set some minimum order quantities. You could have looked at some things and and gave your salespeople quoting guidelines that that might have helped them anticipate that the problem could come and understand kind of what to do about it. So I do agree with Jeff that we're in the world, but the companies that are making these changes are the ones that are going to dominate the ones that aren't, and and the fast will will consume the slow. Floyd Conrad, chime in, please. Yeah, I think we kind of go somewhere in the middle. So... um... You know, one mm-hmm. of the things that I like to talk about is, you know, the ability to be able to run various different scenarios, especially when we're talking about more of a planning perspective. You know, if we do give, um, you know, CFOs or, you know, operations the ability to run these uh, scenarios uh, quicker and faster, you know, it's not necessarily the time of the report goes from one minute to seconds. It's now that I can go sit there and run, you know, 12 different business scenarios, and based on those 12 business uh, scenarios, you know, which one will I take and, you know, take to the board for a, you know, for approval in my, uh, in my budget or my plan. So it's really on how you use the information because right now, you know, if you have systems that are slow or Excel-based, you know, that you have spreadsheets linked together, it's very hard for, you know, the Office of Finance to be able to run through these uh, different scenarios. But if we put a platform in place where you can have 
you know, high-level data, low-level data, whatever level of data that you need to run your business and run these scenarios on demand and quickly, you know, I think that's where, you know, you start getting the CFO and operations on board. Thank you, Floyd. I want to turn to some notes Steve Player sent me, and let, let's have a go-around throughout the panel on this one. Uh, Steve, you said an integrated system, and that's our topic today, integrated business planning. An integrated system should be designed for faster decision-making. We've already established that. What is currently slowing things down, several things in the current environment. Now, Floyd just mentioned spreadsheets, which you note are difficult to consolidate and I think very outmoded. Steve, why don't you take us through a couple of other things that are slowing things down in this attempt to have have the right kind of speed at the right time and place? Well, in many cases, what we're trying to do when you put together an integrated plan is you start with a whole bunch of piece parts and you try to put it together. You try to assume that I can assemble this all into kind of one cogent whole. And the reality is it wasn't designed that way, so why do you think you can retrofit it to make it work that way? So sales and demand planning is trying to work on the real short term, and it's it's really often tied, tied to the ERP system. It's really more about scheduling and manufacturing or service execution. It's working at a real detail level. The far end of the spectrum, you've got a strategic plan that goes out there three to five years that's often a disconnected system, disconnected approach, and it's trying to, in a macro sense, look at capital. So when we think about integrated plans of trying to put it together, the budget sits in the middle of those things, and it's basically a tool that hasn't changed much since its invention in the 1920s. And so we've come along and automated it, but we're still doing the same old things we were doing back then. We're just doing them faster. And trying to put all those parts together doesn't work real well. So people cobble them together. The financial guy's got to do something. So he starts using Excel spreadsheets, which are a great personal productivity tool. But the minute you get two users, you're beyond its capability. And so the, the spreadsheet coordination and control gets you out of hand real quickly. And you've got a lot of patches and band-aids and, and things kind of strung together. And then you want to say, okay, let's have an integrated plan. Well, usually you need to just stop and think about starting from scratch. And if you're going to start from scratch, you're much better off using the latest and greatest technology because there are things that we literally are less than three or four years old that radically improve our ability to do this if we'll just tap and harness it. So when we think about it, this may be a time to stop and rethink the whole process to begin with. Um, back, Floyd made a great comment about scenario playing, which you, you know I love. is a great way to mm-hmm. do it. But I would challenge Floyd a little bit on, on the point of pick one to go tell the board about I don't know how the world we're going to pick the one because the one's based on a whole bunch of assumptions, and frankly, we're not that good at assumption picking. Okay, if we could always accurately predict the right set of assumptions, we ought to just get out of business, go straight to the stock market, and bet on commodities. Pick what the price of a barrel of oil is going to be because we're that good. We can eliminate all the operational risks and just make commodity bets. Instead of doing that, what we need to do is we need to take them a set of plans that says this is the one we think is most likely, but here's our upside contingencies, here's our downside contingencies, and we have plans, and that's what an integrated plan would give you, a set of scenarios that give you both the up and the down. And then you go to the board with confidence because you're ready. You know, future ready is not about being able to perfectly predict. It's about being ready for the up or the down and knowing what plays you would run. And that's the vision we have for planning departments is get to this really advanced state where we've got multiple plans. So we really don't care what comes at us. We know what the leading indicators are. We know how to take action, and we know which plan to shift to instantly because we're not tied to an annual budget. Thank you, Steve. Jeff, you want to chime in? Or Floyd, I'll, I'll welcome either or both of you. Jeff? So this is, this is Jeff. And, and the last thing that Steve was talking about, I think, is the exact right approach that, that planning groups, particularly at a corporate level, should be taking. You can't get tied to one plan. You want to know what drives your business and, and have alternatives because things change and you can't predict the future. Um, 
where I would take a little bit of a, of a different course is I don't know that, that those teams are willing and able to make the change because what they've always done is what they've always done. And to his point earlier, mm-hmm. his point earlier, those companies that do make the change are going to thrive because the pace of, of change in our environment with technology and then the nature of the world shrinking from a communication standpoint is faster than ever before. We spoke to a client just this last week that is using a planning system that they've had in place for 40-some years. Mm-hmm. They're just now getting around to changing it and getting them to adapt to uh, faster, better, different processes is going to be a, a, a challenge for us as a team from the outside and for them internally more so than for us. Sounds like a mindset as well as having the right people in the right place. Floyd, I want you to join the conversation, but I want to pick up a a talking point you sent me before the show, which I think is a good segue here. You say the business benefits of getting more people, specifically beyond finance, engaged in planning processes, drives better results in accountability, tying closer links between finance and the business, meaning the strategic partner of the business. So what do you think in terms of what we've been talking about so far with Steve and with Jeff, Floyd, uh, as far as how big should the team be? Who really deserves to be at the table or tables when it comes to planning processes? Floyd? Well, I think everybody in the uh, corporation should be part of the, and I don't literally mean everyone, but I think every area within the organization you know, should participate in the planning uh, process. You know, I, you know, Jeff and I, I think we're talking about you know, integrated business planning, or if we want to call it integrated planning, or whatever, how, whatever, you, whatever topic or name you want to call it. It's important that we include operations as part of that overall decision because operations, they're not going to wait for finance. I mean, they have to budget plan. They have to, you know, run the business. So, you know, if they're making various different assumptions, finance needs to understand what those are. If finance is making decisions, the operations needs to understand too. So that way, you know, both of them are in sync together and we have more accurate plans. You know, and, and today, you know, with our technology today, I mean, we actually have those capabilities, you know, but yet still, you know, people make different decisions. You know, when I talk to organizations or even mostly finance about integrated business planning, I want them to think about all the areas where they're still getting supplemental information, you know, via files or spreadsheets. What if you had a full system in place where, operations is making, you know, changes to their plan, and you can actually see what those changes are. So now you have actually an integrated system. And so that's pretty much what I was talking about that, you know, that uh, particular bullet that you just... So that's our uh, goal, our integrated systems. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff, any comments? I want Floyd just added. Well, so I agree, I agree with that. It, it, it's, it's spot on. As you look at planning across the organization, what we're talking about, when, when Steve's talking about presenting to the board and, and what Floyd had mentioned earlier... That's strategic planning. That's what are my business drivers and, and where are we going to take the business into the future? To be effective at a managerial level, as a line manager, cost center owner, profit center owner, you need to know some of those things, but you really need to be able to see your data as quickly as possible, analyze it, and make better decisions. And if, you, if, you were, if you're progressive, start working in predictive tools like uh, predictive analytics, trying to predict the future as best you can so that you know what your lever points are, even at a micro level in the organization. And I personally am a big believer that if you want to give somebody managerial responsibility, help them be a part of the budgeting process, integrate what they're doing in operations with what sales is doing, because most of our clients today, those are are separate processes. Sales throws some numbers at finance, ops throws some numbers at finance, they throw some numbers at each other, and they don't go back again. And, And the reason the budget's out of date before it's finished is because they spend months doing that process when it doesn't have to be that way. The The technology exists for it to be granular where it needs to be and summary at the top for corporate 
decision-making and guidance purposes. Are we going to do people out of jobs if we have such efficient opportunities through new disruptive technologies, Jeff? If someone's job is linking spreadsheets or, in some clients' cases, pulling data out of access databases that aren't part of the overall system architecture, yeah, they probably wouldn't have a job unless they have the skills to understand the numbers. And it, mm-hmm. it's not rocket science, it, but it does require people to apply themselves. I think it's called data science. And we on several of our shows, we talk about the new career of data scientists. Sounds like that might be an opportunity here. Steve Player, I'd like you to drop some names for us. We love name dropping. We love case studies. People love those quick soundbite takeaways. You mentioned to me that there are a couple of companies you're willing to talk about who are already doing it the right way. Steve, could you do a little case study for us, please? I know you have Whole Cat and Unilever here in my list. Sure, Holcat, Unilever, Statoil, all those come to mind. Um, I'll talk about one a little bit different. I was uh, having dinner last night with two beautiful young Danish women, and what was fascinating about the conversation uh, was what they were talking about, what they were doing with their client. They have a client that's in the jewelry industry, and they're using tweets and social media to analyze all the activity and what's being said in a five-mile radius of each of their individual stores. So when we talk about integrated planning, what we're really beginning to see is what it means is not making people in operations feed finance data or vice versa. What we're talking about is giving operational people the tools to plan what they're trying to do in this situation to micro-plan what stock should be in each of those stores based on the activity in the, in the micro-market around it. So now all of a sudden your, your, your supply chain plan can be much more specific and it can look at what's moving where and why and how we reach out to see what's happening in the marketplace. So an example of kind of pulling it forward. When you take a look at Unilever, they're doing the same kind of thing. They've eliminated their budgets. They're integrating their sales and operation plans country by country into micro markets to really understand what's happening there. They've also integrated their sustainability reporting all in kind of one big environment. Whole Caterpillar is uh, one of the largest Caterpillar dealerships in North America. Uh, when they went down in the end of 2009, they had a hugely uncertain world. We talked about uncertainty earlier. When, when people have economy freezes up, they immediately you know, start, stop spending on capital. Well, Whole Cat eliminated their budget at that point in time, adopted the Beyond Budgeting philosophy, and started looking at and telling their people what we want operations to do is just optimize your outcome, do the best you can. And they went through a series of just continual working on looking at actual, trying to do better than they had done before, trying to take advantage of opportunities. At the end of the year, Paul Hensley, their CFO, said we had done better than we ever dreamed possible, far better than we would ever would have budgeted. They did it in 2010, and they kept doing it. In 2011, things began to come back, and the managers began to come up and ask when we're going to get our budgets back. And Paul went and talked to his chief operating officer, and together they concluded they're never coming back. Why? Because they're doing a much better job of this kind of real-time approach of looking and trying to optimize the outcome in terms of what they're doing. Uh, Statoil does it on a fully integrated basis around the globe, one of the largest oil companies in the world, certainly one of the, the most proactive in terms of their management system. They eliminated their budgets way back in 2005, and they run a series of ambitions to action where they track what their strategic plan is and all the way down to how each department operationalizes it, and they constantly communicate back and forth. But it's because people are using planning to help do their job and the system integrates and feeds that to the other people that need to know and the other people that coordinate to allow them to do their jobs. But it's not one department feeding the other information, which is where a lot of the communication snafus come in because we don't have to feed finance or vice versa. They're using what we're already using and it has greater reliability because we're doing it to run the business. Jeff Hattendorf, Macrospect, you must have some comments. Go ahead. 
Yeah, so it, it may have been a misnomer earlier to say feeding data across because Steve's exactly right. Everyone should be working from the same set of data. The, the mm-hmm. technology doesn't require us to have disparate sets of data in different departments and silos. The, the data should be integrated across the organization. Um, and I'm a big believer in particularly where you're in a retail business or any kind of business that's dealing with where there's lots of social activity on, online, pull that social media data in. Tie it into what you're doing at an operational level so that your, your people are making better decisions. And you can make that, those decisions based upon real-time feedback. It's a, it's a world full of opportunities. Um, and as excited as I get being a nerd about things that some people <laughs> find boring, it, it still requires a paradigm shift at the, at the C-level of the organization to enable these technologies to be in the, in the organization and to, to empower people to use them without fear of, wait, I don't have a budget to lean on. It, it requires a big shift in the corporate culture to go, wait, I don't have a budget? Well, how do I know what I can spend? You have to change the, 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 the thought process across the entire organization. That may be the biggest challenge of all. Floyd Conrad, SAP, any thoughts on what Jeff said and, and Steve's examples? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, the one thing that I want, you know, people to understand or to think about, you know, when they start looking at a new budgeting system, just kind of just don't look at what you're trying to accomplish, but look at, you know, the the broader picture, the bigger picture throughout the organization. So, you know, what if you had an integrated, you know, planning platform, what would that look like? Instead of just kind of thinking about, well, I just have this forecasting process I need to fix within finance. So I th- and that's where I think, you know, the conversations really have to open up and where we have to bring other people, the CIO and operations, into that conversation. Okay, thank you. And, Jeff, I want to go back to another one of the points you sent me before the show. It may be a little repetitive, but I, I love numbers, and that's really what we're talking about here at The Basis. Uh, you say, we still live in a world where planning is thought of as three separate, sometimes more disparate activities. And then you go on to say early adopters are changing their thinking, and that's what we're talking about, a new mindset, and seeking ways to integrate planning across the business to drive. What a more intelligent business overall. That's really the goal, I believe, of, of everything you're all saying. So what are those three separate or more disparate activities in case anybody wants to look at their own company through a closer lens, Jeff, and say, oh, yeah, that's us? What would you tell them? Well, and and Steve gave a couple of examples in in the clients that he mentioned. If you think about traditional planning in organizations, the sales team does a plan. The finance team does a plan. Mm-hmm. Operations has a plan. And operations can include or maybe separate logistics. I've got to ship product from point A to point B. You've got the manufacturing facilities, and they have plans. You have overhead and SG&A plans. But, but the three big buckets of operations, sales, and finance, still in most companies we, we talk to and, and our current clients, I- exist with older technologies as separate sets of data, separate processes, with a few typically manual touch points, sometimes integrated touch points at a system level along the way. And so everyone's working kind of in parallel, but not to the same drum. And if you want to... If you want an easy win, the easy win is to get into a scenario where those three processes are integrated together so that you're not planning those three things separately and hoping that the sales guys actually can produce the numbers they say they're going to do and that manufacturing hits their targets and that they produce the right products because their, their production plans are based upon what they think they should produce with a little bit of information from sales but probably not enough and certainly not looking at social media data from a logistics and shipping standpoint. It, it has to be integrated if you want to survive in the in the coming future. Thank you very much, Floyd Conrad. Any thoughts on that? I just completely agree. I, I work with Jeff quite a bit, so <laughs> it's like you just said exactly what I was thinking. 
Took the words right out of your mouth. Exactly. Well, Floyd, I, I'm going to introduce something else here, uh, one of your talking points, Floyd, and then we'll have Jeff and Steve chime in. And the point is, although questions, although questions on technology to enable business decisions start with the CIO, they need to now start and end with the CFO. Why? Because that office has to embrace and drive the vision for how technology will impact the ability to make meaningful decisions of what we're talking about, a more intelligent business overall. So where, where does this start and end? Who has to have that first conversation? Is it the CIO saying, yeah, we really want to do this? The CFO saying, I'm not so sure. Does the CFO walk over to the CIO and say, hey, this technology looks really good. We're ready to embrace it. Do you think you can get it? started? Can you implement it for us? Who starts the conversation? Floyd? I, I see it usually on the CFO side because they're the ones that are, you know, producing the numbers and responsible for the numbers. So, um, you know, and I, I've actually, I tend to work more with the CFO anyway on that side of the business. Um, it's just really, you know, the technology now is so, cha- it's changing so fast and there's so many different things. You know, the CIO really has to be a close business partner to help make those informed decisions. But the CFO really needs to educate themselves on what's available. You know, what can I put out there? You know, which which technology should I be using, uh, and so on. So, I mean, it's you know, it's really. You know, I I put it back on the you know back on the shoulders of the CFO. I mean, the CFO is responsible for the overall financial health of the company, and uh, they need to report the numbers and they need to report them accurately. So, uh, you know, it's it's. It's, you know, people like myself and Steve and Jeff, you know, our jobs to help educate that CFO to make sure that they're making the right decisions. But also they have to, you know, be in online with the CIO as well because the CIO is looking at, you know, more things as far as how it fits in the overall infrastructure of the company. Steve Player, chime in, please. I, I really don't think it matters. I think whoever's the most innovative because you're going to have to get both sides lined up. Um, unless the CIO is totally sidelined and just running utility, he's going to be critical to making it happen. Unless the CFO's bought in that it's going to actually change the cost structure and change the nature of the business, he's not going to let it go forward. So I really don't think it matters which one starts as long as they can get together and get the organization moving forward. So um, I think you start wherever you can get a handhold and start working from there. Appreciate that. Jeff Attendorf, Matt Grospect, what do you think? Where does it start? Well, so I think you're probably going to get three slightly different answers because we come from different backgrounds. I, I think it has to generally start with the, the folks in the CIO's office because those are the folks who are tasked with, uh, with knowing what technology can do mm-hmm. and trying to help the CFO understand what are the good investments that can change how we operate the business. But in every company, you, you have different, different players. You might have a CFO that is very technically attuned and aware of the changes in the office. You have a CIO that, that may or may not be strong. Um, it depends, but my, my view is personally that the CIO has to be taking those things to the CFO so that the CFO is doing more than reading buzzwords. Every client we talk to goes, cloud, I've got to have a cloud solution. Mm-hmm. They don't really know what cloud means. They just know they've read it in a trade book somewhere that, that they have to be in the cloud or they're behind. And the CIO okay. has to help d- distill that down to something that's actionable and helps paint a vision for the technology infrastructure of the business to meet the objectives financially that the CFO is laying out. Thank you very much. And I want to introduce one more topic before, see, four minutes till break. We're going to go take a break at 48, and it's 144 now here in New York. So let's see if we can attack this one very quickly. We brought it up earlier, uh, the concept of predictive analysis, predicting into the future, and I talked about hindsight being 2020. But I'd like to talk a little bit about predictive analysis tools. Should this be something everybody wants to have, everybody embraces, spends their money on right away? Steve Player, why don't you kick this off, and then we'll ask Jeff and Floyd to chime in. What do you see? 
Absolutely. I mean, again, you got to see what's coming at you. Finance has got to get off the back of the boat. So many finance organizations are standing there scorekeeping and looking backwards, and you just can't add a whole lot of strategic value no matter how much technology you have if you're staring off the back of the boat. We've got to turn around and get up on the bridge beside the captain and start looking forward, and that requires us to predict, to have tools that see what happens, and not just look at the physical financial transaction, but all the sequence of physical activities that have to happen before that, all the way back up to when we have sales calls, we bombard the customer universe with marketing media, when we start dragging the leads out. We need to see the health of the organization start to materialize through those initial sales and marketing activities and see how long it takes it for that to come down the waterfall and flow into, into sales and operations because that lead time is necessary to know if we've got enough activity coming forward. So the more predictive we can be, the better we can run our business. If we can't, we're on the back of the boat and, and highly irrelevant. So to be relevant, we've got to turn around and get up on the bridge and start looking forward with predictive tools. Love the analogies. Thank you very much. Jeff Hattendorf, what do you think about predictive analytics? Talk to me. Well, I I think Steve described it well. Finance, and to me, it's it's, it's a combination of finance, marketing, and sales, and then the operations team need to be able to predict what drives their portion of the business and how do those three things work together. And we have a couple of clients, Union Pacific here here in the U.S., is already using a tool like SaaS to predict what their demand's going to be and then to drive their operational plans. Now, they're in a more stable industry, so it tends to be a little bit more predictable than others, but they've used that tool to help them understand what their business drivers are in the larger world. We've got a large CPG client that's going down that same path because they know what the big drivers are, and you can use predictive tools to help set a course from the finance group and help give feedback into the sales and marketing teams and the operational teams that help them be better at their jobs as well. It, it, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. We, we keep saying this, or maybe I keep saying this. It's important. It, it's taking that next step and going from, as Steve said, scorekeeping to helping set direction. Thank you. Floyd Conrad, you want to close out this part of the show? Talk to me about predictive analytics. What's your vantage point? I, I think that we just need to educate people a little bit more on what, what that really means, you know, especially in the Office of Finance. Um, sometimes people are just kind of, overwhelmed or they're not as familiar with uh, what, what's available and how they can leverage these, um, these tools. But, you know, I agree. It's like, you know, we have to take advantage of it. I mean, this is something that's available. It's at our hands. It's, our, you know, it's something that um, can really help the business uh, move forward. So I think it's really it's just part of just getting the education and just kind of, you know, get them more familiar with what's available. Thank you very much. You know what? I want to do a shout-out to whoever is under the Twitter handle of CFO Knowledge. I think I know who it is. They are capturing so many words of wisdom from Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect, from uh, Floyd Conrad at SAP, and from Mr. Forecast. That's Steve Player, in case you haven't figured that one out, at Beyond Budgeting. Uh, thank you so much. to And Macrospect is also tweeting. We're tweeting, by the way, at our favorite hashtag, SAP Radio. Yeah, I lost it for there for a second. SAP Radio. I'm looking at so many wonderful tweets, and I've been retweeting all the way along. I'm going to give Jeff Hattendorf, Steve Player, and Floyd Conrad a break for about 90 seconds to recompose themselves because they've been working so hard. Great roundtable, by the way. Thank you all. Good conversation, great energy, and I love the challenges back and forth. Good, good opening of thoughts for our listeners. When we come back, I'm going to ask the three of you in the order of Jeff, Steve, and Floyd to look ahead five years to 2019 
2019. Exactly today is, oh, happy St. Patrick's Day if you're celebrating. March 17th, 2019. If we had this conversation again in five years from today, what would we be saying about integrated business planning? Will technology, specifically the innovative disruptive kind, have helped or hindered? And what kind of relationship will the CFO and CIO have in the next five years? I also might have time for a bonus question, so be prepared. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Michael, take us out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Unleash the leadership potential of your finance talent now. Your business needs more than just compliant reports. Today's leading finance departments are asked to support business decision-making to help companies to succeed. With SAP's risk and finance solutions, you can provide the advisory that decision-makers are looking for. No matter what data source, no matter where you are, you can find the information you need to add value. Give your finance talent the right tools to be up to the challenge. www.sap.com The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com from the boardroom to you voice america business network welcome back to financial excellence with game changers presented by sap comments questions send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. The numbers don't lie. We've got six and a half minutes to finish up our crystal ball round. I'm going to divide and conquer equally. We'll start with Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect. Jeff, if we meet again five years from today, and I certainly hope we do, talking about integrated business planning and who should be running it in the office of the CFO and CIO, what would you think will happen in the next five years? Minute and a half, 90 seconds. Jeff Hattendorf, go. Well, I think we're going to see the same things with with these disruptive technologies in memory databases and, and predictive analytics in the same fashion that we saw the Internet in the late 90s and the early 2000s. They're going to be early adopters. They're going to be companies that we've never heard of that will be major household names because they'll hmm. have figured it out very early. And they'll be, they'll be the, the followers that are struggling. They'll have wins. They'll have losses. And they're still trying to find their way in, in, in this new world of technology and fast-paced decision-making and trying to predict What's going to drive our business next year, two years, five years down the road? You know, the, the biggest change I think we're going to see, and I think we're on the tip of this, particularly in the consumer packaged goods, the CPG markets, is the, the impact of social media. You know, Steve touched on this a little bit with one of his clients. If you, th- if you look at any of the studies of millennials, they live in social media. They don't mm-hmm. live in, in phone calls. They live in 
Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, my kids don't know how to talk to people, it seems like, sometimes because they're so <laughs> caught up in their, their social media tools. Touche. <laughs> well, those tools are going to give us all kinds of insight into what really drives consumer behavior. It might not, not help us with B2B as much, but I'm willing to bet by five years we figured that out as well. But I do believe wholeheartedly that between now and the next five years that the early adopters who figure out how to incorporate social media and integrate their data sets so that it's, we're working from the same platform, the same set of data, that those companies will be successful and others will start to fall behind. Thank you very much, Jeff. And coincidentally, next week on, uh, let's see, we're bringing back our HR Trends with Game Changers series on the 25th of March. First show will be me interviewing four millennials from around the world, South Africa, Germany, I think UK, and North America. I will ask them those questions. I'll pose that. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Steve Player. Steve, I'm going to give you one minute on the clock. We're running very tight now. Talk to me. Five years from today, what will you be talking about in terms of integrated business planning? Steve. Well, five years from now, I think... uh we won't be talking about about integrated business planning because it'll so be integrated. We just won't we won't recognize we're doing it. We're going to see the acceleration of pace continue. Uh, AMC's got a series called Mad Men that looks back 50 years at the dawning of the advertising industry. In five years, we're going to be looking back, and about half our companies will have already made the change. Budgets will be seen as a relic of the past, and some people will still be doing it because they hadn't quite figured out how to let go. But fully half the companies will have moved beyond and looking at continuous rolling forecasts, integrated plans, and, and situations where the integration is seamless. That's the whole consumerization of IT, where everything that you can do as a consumer, the expectation is IT's got to catch up with that. The role of CFO, I think, will continue to move forward. CIOs will become specialists within that. Some CIOs will move up to be CFOs. CFOs will increasingly move up to be CEOs because the people that understand analytics and understand how to predict and understand what really drives the business are going to have a huge leg up over the rest of the world. So we're going to look back and think about, wow, we, we talked about what we thought was leading edge then, but it seems so archaic as we look back at just a mere five years ago. I think five years ago we didn't even have iPads. That's how fast the world's changing mm-hmm. and the pace is only getting faster. Certainly has. How old will the CFO and CIO be in five years, Steve? Any idea? Well, they, they won't be millennials. I don't think they will have grown up that fast. But what do you think, uh, no, generationally? We're, we're going to get the hybrids. It won't be about their age. It'll be about their attitude. It'll be about yeah. how quickly they learn and how quickly they bring these things to bear. They'll know enough of the, the new stuff to be able to bring it to bear. They'll know enough of the old stuff to know what it is they're trying to replace. Thank you. Very, very good wisdom. Okay, and thanks for that prediction. And Floyd Conrad, SAP, I'll give you one minute on the clock. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be as optimistic as Steve because I think we still will be talking about integrated business planning or integrated planning in five years. But uh, hopefully, if that's the case, I'll be uh, very happy if, we not, if we're not. But I just think, you know, technology does change very rapidly. Uh, there's going to be new... Um, you know, challenges ahead and new topics to discuss around in this, you know, the whole integrated planning space. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, we have some great technologies out there right now. You know, I've been talking about this now for <laughs> five plus years, you know, with, with organizations and it's been, you know, uh, moving along slowly. So, um, you know, that's, that's for my, uh, my, uh, I guess, pessimism of just a little bit about in five years not talking about it because I just think, you know, it's still going to be a topic that's going to be on, uh, on the minds of both CFOs and CIOs. 
Thank you very much. I needed one minute to finish it. I've got one minute left. Let me talk through it. Tuesday tomorrow is Biz Buzz with Game Changers presented by SAP, the final episode of our 13-week miniseries. Hope they come back later in the year. Been a great round. Good show tomorrow. Wednesday is my flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thursday, we have a double header at, uh, let's see, t- 7 a.m. Pacific. It's early. Future of Business with Game Changers. Great new series we just started a couple weeks ago. And Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, it's Startup Focus with Game Changers. I think we're talking about the impact of startups on the high-tech vertical again. And next Monday, we'll be back right here at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern with another episode of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Special thank you to Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect. Appreciate your expertise, your wisdom, and your playing well with Steve Player at Beyond Budgeting and Floyd Conrad at SAP. Great panel. I learned a lot, and I know our listeners did live today, and the podcast will be available in about two hours, and we'll be tweeting about it. Thank you to CFO Knowledge, and thank you to Macrospect for joining me at Hashtag SAP Radio. And a shout-out of appreciation to Aaron Hughes, Chris Grundy, Bridget Star- Birgit Starmans at SAP, Malcolm Kimberlin, and Michael and the Business Channel team for getting us here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have a call to action for all of you, especially my three panelists. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Until tomorrow, Biz Buzz with Game Changers. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. Music